Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> we need your stories. If you think you've got what it takes to terrify, scar and haunt our audience of 10,000 daily listeners, then we want your stories. If accepted, we'll get a fantastic narration team to lend their voices. Our editor will sprinkle some magic pixie dust on the track and you could have your story heard by thousands of listeners each week. Our themes are sleep deprivation, kaiju, secret messages, lost civilizations, government experiments and newly discovered creatures. For more details, head over to theotherstories.net forward slash submissions. Today's episode is Dead Ringer, written by Becky Bailey and narrated by Josh Curran. Darkness fell close about the boy. Archie wore it carefully, like velvet, like fear. He felt the night through cold fingertips when he finally heard it. The bell pounded out the hour like heartbeats in the night. The harbinger of his own death, it seemed. The witching hour. Midnight. He shouldn't be here, but poverty was a harsh mistress. A warm body in a graveyard was a rarity, except in a university town, except in Edinburgh. Archie stole bodies. That was his slightly dubious line of work, but he was good at it, and it wasn't technically illegal. Archie knew well enough it was wrong, but if he didn't snatch bodies, his family would become permanent residents of the nearest kirkyard. Starvation was a slow way to die. 
Despite his age, Archie was strong enough to dig out a coffin, but he didn't look like it. He had been trying to grow a beard for some time now, and he had the makings of a moustache. Almost. Unlike his brothers, he wasn't particularly scared of Kirkyards at night. He felt they were calming, quiet, and still in the darkness. Something to look forward to when the clatter and rush of domestic life became too difficult, which was often. He lived with his ma and six siblings in a dilapidated hovel the landlord had a nerve to call a house. Yet, his midnight excursions didn't bother his ma. He would come back from the university with enough money to put food on the table for a week, and that more than satisfied her to turn a blind eye. The only downside to his work was the bell tower above the kirk. It struck him cold every hour. Ice danced over his spine when he felt the bell ring out, screaming a warning. He felt foolish every time he jumped at the sound. Midnight. One o'clock. Two o'clock. Then home in a cold sweat, praying the old bell would break to spare him the next night. Perhaps he could cut the bell pull. It would only take a second. Get over here, lad, and stop dawdling. A furious whisper came from a mausoleum shrouded in shadow. Startled, Archie crept closer, trying to make out the features of a face. Not the night watchman, then. A flicker in the inky dark, deep as a well, blinded his eyes, but it illuminated. His uncle's craggy features lighting his pipe. His brow was furrowed like a cracked egg. What time do you call this? I've had to dodge old McNabb twice already. The watchmen have started poking through the tombs now. Can they not give the dead a moment's peace? Archie snorted through his nose. And what peace are we giving them? Have a care, young man. It doesn't matter that we disturb them. I have it on good authority that we're helping mankind. Set your pack down and let's have no more talk now, you hear? Oh, Annabelle puts up with your clever mouth, I'll never know. Annabelle was Archie's ma, and she often didn't put up with his mouth. He had the bruises to prove it. The ancient mausoleum they crouched in smelled of rotten ruin. Archie could hear muffled shuffling in the recesses of the tomb, rats' feet scampering over old bones. It was a cold night. The moon was a lidless eye staring blindly into the crucible of the kirkyard. There was no sign of God tonight or any other night Archie and Fergus had plucked bodies from the ground like ripe fruit from the vine. It was just harvest, like any other. As Archie removed his hood and shovel from his pack, he heard the terrible sound of church bells. One o'clock. Archie shook. Ominous as a singular raven, the bell rang out across the silent kirkyard. Too soon, too soon for another peal of bells, surely. The last had been but a few moments ago, and no hour flies so swiftly. He felt a shudder run through him, his feverish imagination jumping from shadow to shadow. He did not care for bells, even less for the malaise of wrongness that settled in his own bones at the thought that someone in the bell tower could see them lurking by the graves, was trying to warn them even. Archie emerged, hood drawn low over his eyes and shovel in hand, not daring to glance, even for a moment, at the bell tower. 
It stood like a tusk above the broken teeth of the graveyard, piercing his soul with doubt. Were there eyes watching him, even in the darkness? The watch is changing, we should hurry. Uncle Fergus barely whispered and crossed the shadow of a yew tree, standing guard over a row of mort safes. The bell in the tower stopped chiming, but Archie's heart hammered on in his ribcage. The shovel was slick with sweat. He had a sudden urge to run. The bell in his mind was still ringing, swinging back and forth like a merry guillotine. His stomach clenched into knots. He felt dizzy. He swayed, stopped, breathed death in the air, grave mold. Uncle Fergus had picked the spot, shaded from direct sight of the church tower behind a stand of rowan trees and elaborate tombs, small graves, children. They had never attempted to resurrect children before. Special request... Archie heard his uncle mutter behind a spadeful of dirt before his dazed eyes beheld the contraption next to the headstone. Pay extra for a child, they said. The device had the look of a hook done up in brass, inside a wooden box affixed to the headstone with bolts. Archie moved closer, his eyes adjusting to the moonlight once again. There was something inside the box, small as a fist, It gleamed coldly in the light. Something about its sleek shine unnerved Archie. What would adorn a child's grave? A favoured toy? A trinket? Or something much, much worse? The air filled with the scent of freshly turned earth, and Archie drove his shovel down into the hard earth, preparing to meet the grave's owner. A sound made him pause. The tiny peal of a bell. One o'clock? Archie quaked. No, it wasn't the church bell. It was tinkling like silver, a shiver of an omen, a sound to chill the devil himself. A delicate bell. But where? Archie turned to the noise, unable to stop himself. His neck craned, terror lifting with the hairs on his neck and arms. He stooped to look. Inside the contraption attached to the headstone was something small, something gleaming darkly, something moving. A tiny bell rang out in front of his very eyes. Mechanically, he noticed the string, taut, leading down, down, down beneath the soil from the bell. They called them... Safety coffins, Archie thought abstractly as his tongue tasted fear and rot. Bile in his mouth, tears in his eyes. The bell, the bell rang tenderly in the night, and he watched it swing madly to the jerking of the rope. Someone beneath the soil was ringing to be let out. Uncle Fergus stopped, his eyes fixed on the bell, blowing clouds of breath in the stark night and shrugged. Alive one, eh? They'll pay more if it's freshly dead. Archie watched in dawning horror as his uncle continued to dig to the merry sound of that death toll. There was a child below them, five feet to be exact. A child lying prone in a silk-lined coffin 
weeping and pounding on the lid. Only a child. Pull that rope up with you, Archie. That noise will have the watch on us at any moment. But Archie could not look away from the shining silver bell, hypnotic with hysteria. He willed his arms to stop that noise, stop the klaxons of hell from driving him out of his mind. But he would not touch the bell itself. He felt it would be chill as death, and he was consumed by the knowledge that if he were to touch it, he would imminently expire. He gripped the rope, a mere hempen snake of doom, and wrapped it around his wrist. He felt the sudden impulse to evacuate his bowels as the rope slithered over his skin and he felt the force of the creature pulling at the other end. The bell stopped its terrible ringing, but the rope still tugged at him. Whatever lay beneath their feet wanted to be let out. Archie did not think the strength of that desperate jerking was that of a child. Then it stopped. The rope lay slack. Archie dropped it, breathed, grave mould and sweat. Then hell itself opened when he heard it. The tower bells. One o'clock. Archie trembled. Yes, it must be. The hole over the gravestone was deep as a wound. Uncle Fergus was panting, shining with sweat but Archie could not summon his courage to take up his spade again. There was a great pounding in his head, throbbing to the sound of those forsaken bells. When silence returned, Archie felt he would surely die. The bell was tolling for someone. He knew it must be himself alone. Stealing himself, he seized his shovel and began cascading dirt beyond the gaping grave. He cried as he dug, for it felt like he was digging his own grave. He was only fifteen, a man, but not ready to die. If he did not dig, there would be no money for bread or shoes or medicine. His ma and sisters would be forced to the workhouse and he would be thrown in debtor's prison. He heard they had bells for the day round for breakfast, lunch and dinner, and this last realisation drove his shovel deep, deep into the ground while the edges of his vision blurred white. A sickening thump. How long had he been mindlessly digging? A flicker of light above him showed the twisted profile of his uncle, breathing the darkness and dust through his pipe by the graveside. Open it, he said, brooking no refusal. Archie realised he was alone in the grave, kneeling over the coffin and weeping. No, uncle, I cannot. Archie could barely breathe. You fetch up that burn, or the university will be having your body instead. It's too late and too cold to dig up another. The pipe flared. Archie made out two pinpricks in the blackness, evil eyes watching him. Archie whimpered, watching the rope leading from the coffin up to the headstone. The line was slack. With some clumsiness, he braced his legs against the sides of the grave and wedged himself securely so he would not fall into the yawning abyss. He touched the coffin lid with dirty hands and felt the chill of the grave on his fingertips. Who would be inside? A boy child? A little girl? Or bones? Just bones. Bones meant no bread and hunger, 
Would he lose his mind completely if, when he pulled back the lid, the hand was clenched around the rope? He could see it in his mind's eye, the corpse's lips touched with blue, eyes dead. Too late? Seconds too late? The lid eased open, and Archie watched. Halfway open, and the smell hit him. Putrid grave meat, food for worms. Wincing, Archie kicked the lid open, but the jolt lost him his footing. Eyes fixed on the rope, he slid tantalizingly slow down the grave edge. Down he fell, the coffin opened its arms and held him, cradled and sprawled. There were small bones and a blue sailor suit beneath him inside. The hand, shriveled with death, loosely held the rope. But the child in the coffin had been dead for some time. No one on this earth had pulled that rope. The child had been dead for days, surely? Archie stared at the moulding face of the child, waiting for the dead eyes to blink. Was the child still alive in that corpse's cage? Suddenly, bells in his mind and in the air around him. Archie howled with fear. He clambered up the slick side of the grave with monstrous dread pumping through his heart and almost fell. The little silver bell was ringing. The rope coiled around his ankle. No escape from the sound. Two o'clock. Archie shuddered. The tower bells joined the death toll and the cacophony of infernal fright turned his will to sheer panic. Uncle Fergus leapt at him, trying to restrain him, but he dodged away, keening and yelping with outrage and despair. He bolted like a geldling from a flaming stable. He ran blindly, and the darkness swallowed his flailing limbs like a handful of dirt in a grave. Archie made for the kirkyard gates, chased by the rope, and, even louder, the faster he fled, the ghastly grave bell. A struggle and a tumble and a clattering ringing drove him nearly mad in his desperation to escape both the bells and his uncle. No kith or kin saw him again. They say you can still hear the poor child running all along grass market, sobbing in fright, tolling the second hour to the sleeping city before vanishing into the night. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Dead Ringer was written by Becky Bailey, narrated by Josh Curran, edited by Duncan Muggleton, with music by Duncan Muggleton and Tom Robson. And sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration is provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. Becky Bailey writes micro flash and short fiction when she's not walking around graveyards. And Josh Curran is a narrator and writer. He has narrated many episodes of The Other Stories over the show's lifetime. He's also the creator of the audio drama podcast Miscreation. You can follow him on Twitter at jcurranwriter. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help support the show over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. You can join our book club and movie club and chat about the podcast over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver. T-shirts and mugs and posters are available at gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. The other stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So... Until next time.